Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16 and verse number 9. Perhaps over the heading of your chapter title, if you have that in your Bible, it says, Rebellion of Korah. In the midst of his rebellion, God uh, uses Moses and uh, speaks to them in verse number 9. He says, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, already my heart's just been stirred by being here this morning. Lord, I thank you for the songs we were able to sing. I thank you, uh, just those last two songs, Lord, the steps of a good man. Lord, I thank you for uh, that though we fall, Lord, you uphold us with your hand. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you. As the, as the Bible says there, the just man falls seven times but rises up again. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, thank you that you can revive a, a Christian, that you can redeem a sinner, that you can restore a nation. Lord, we thank you that all power is in your hand. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our country, the different churches that we've been in. I thank you, Lord, that you are stirring us up. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, stir more up just as, uh, was mentioned in that video, Lord, that you would send forth labors into your harvest. Lord, I thank you for the call that you've placed upon my life to be an evangelist. Thank you for the call to preach. And certainly, Lord, this is a verse that uh, speaks right to my own heart. And I pray, Lord, that as we have opened up your word, that you would open up our hearts, that you would speak to each one of us. Uh, Lord, draw us nearer to you by us being here today. I pray that there's any that does not know thee as Savior, that is here amongst us, I pray that they would see their need for Christ and come to that saving knowledge of you. Lord, may you be exalted. May you be glorified. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We find here in the book of Numbers, uh, Korah is rebelling against Moses. And uh, he, was, uh, he was the grandson to uh, uh, Levi, who with Dathan and Abiram, we find in verse number one, conspired against Moses and Aaron. Now, the position that Korah had was that he was a Levite. He served in the tabernacle. And Moses is reminding him of the absolute privilege that he has to serve in the tabernacle. He says, seemeth it but a small thing unto you. Now, he rebelled against Moses. Ultimately, his rebellion was against God. But uh, he uh, rebelled against God's plan for his life. He didn't want to just be a Levite. No, he wanted to be a priest. He falsely accused the man of God that he had set up these rules, these situations, so that only Aaron's uh, uh, descendants were the priest. And he thought, you know, the, the Korah believed that, that uh, Moses had set this all up, but it was God that had done this. Look at verse number 28 uh, in Numbers chapter 16. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. Oh, they thought that it was, it was of Moses' own mind why he can't become a priest. And so he, along with uh, Datham and Abiram, they bring another 250 uh, princes and men of renown, as the beginning of the, of the chapter says, to come and to speak against Moses. They really thought they were doing what was right. 
but they were deceived. Of course, sin is always deceitful, and we can be deceived in doing that which is right in our own eyes. Uh, We need to uh, not just do, I guess, the right thing. We need to do the next obedient thing, because sometimes the things that we think are right in our own eyes are wrong. And they, uh, here they thought uh, that, that Moses was wrong, but yet Moses was right. And uh, they're complaining, they're griping against Moses. They blame Moses for what was their own failure. And they rebelled against uh, God's wisdom and God's divine appointments. Uh, God had not appointed him to be the priest. Uh, yet he says there in verse number 10, He hath uh, brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. So they're desiring, he's desiring to have this office of the priesthood, but God has placed him as a Levite to minister there in the tabernacle. Now this rebellion is not just against Moses, it's against God. And I wonder how much of our rebellion that we have maybe towards others, maybe to the authority that's placed in our lives, that it's really not against the authority that's right above us, but it's ultimately against the authority of God. So often we can have that bitterness and have that rebellion in our own hearts that is ultimately rebelling against God. And so Korah is rebelling against God, and, uh, and they're going to they're gonna, uh, call it out here. Uh, and uh, God uh, then warns them. Uh, he says in verse 21, Separate yourselves from this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And uh, what happens is that uh, Korah, uh, as well, I'll just get to verse number 30. It says, but if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And so Moses is saying, if these men are right, then, then uh, you know, the, let this happen. If these men are wrong, let God do a new thing and just open up the ground underneath them and swallow them up. If these men are provoking the Lord. We find there in verse 31, it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from the congregation. And so Korah, uh, 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 let's see here, Dathan and Abiram, they uh, and their families, their homes, all of that is now swallowed up in the earth. Then the 250 that were uh, conspiring with them, it says in verse 35, and there came a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. God was not pleased with all of this. No, they had provoked him with his, with the, because of their pride and their rebellion. And eventually, uh, more than that are going to die. There'll be a plague that will be sent. And, and, uh, and then verse uh, 48, uh, well, Moses sends Aaron to give an atonement to try to, to stop the plague. And verse 48 says, And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. Throughout the scripture, we find this instance coming back as God refers back to Korah and Korah's rebellion against God. 14,700, and you add the 250 uh, of those princes, and then, of course, uh, uh, Datham and Abiram and Korah and all of their families. And, and this rebellion was very costly. Rebellion against God is always costly. And we see that they uh, took this calling that God had placed upon their lives lightly. They, were, they lost the value of the call of God. And I want to speak a message entitled, the Losing the Value 
of the call, losing the value of the call. Number one, we'll see the call is a call to value. It's a call to separation. It's a call to draw nearer to God, and it's a call to serve others. Because of whom has given us this call, we must value it. Uh, Now verse number nine, it says, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel. This is a small thing. You're treating this lightly, Korah. What God has done in your life, what God has placed you in, this position to be a Levite, to serve at the tabernacle, Korah, it seems like you are treating this so lightly. It is God who has called you. It is God that has placed you in this position. Uh, They had the tremendous privilege of serving in the tabernacle. Not everybody's going to get this call. Not everybody has this privilege to serve in the tabernacle. I think about the privilege that we have that even just coming to our Faith Baptist Tabernacle, <laughs> to be able to come to church services. I think of COVID time, and, and uh, boy, I, I did not enjoy that time. We show up, and there's hardly anybody here in the live stream, and God hasn't called us for live stream church services. No, it's a called out assembly. We're to meet together, uh, and we, uh, you know, we're a family, and, and of course, we're here to encourage one another, edify one another, pray for one another. And, uh, you know, evangelize the lost and exalt the Lord. Those are the, 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 uh, the core of our church uh, uh, passion that we ought to have. And so uh, coming here together, you know, just when we all got back together, it was so precious. It was so valuable. But I wonder, have we lost the value of just meeting together? Have we lost the value of being able to come freely here in America to come to a church service like this? Hebrews chapter 12 or chapter 9 Our chapter 10, verse number 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, we don't just, we don't need less church, we need more church. Now, Megan and I, we're privileged. We are in more services probably than anybody. Uh, any normal church member, I think evangelists probably have, some other evangelists might have us beat, but, uh, but you know, we're in church services all throughout the week, and it's a blessing. You know, if you were to come to church just on a Sunday morning, you'll have had 52 services, 52 messages. If you were to come Sunday night, you'll have 104. If you're able to come Wednesday night, you'll have 156. Where do you think your spiritual life's going to be? Oh, we need more preaching. We need more of God's Word. I encourage you, you know, go online, listen to some godly preaching, and, and, uh, and I do that to, to help feed myself. And so uh, here, he, he, uh, this value of, of being able to, to meet in the tabernacle, but then, you know, I know that not all of us, of course, are called to preach, but God has called us all to something. God has given us a ministry. Now, the first thing, God has, has, a, plan, he has a plan for all of us, for every life, and the main plan that he has for everybody's life is that you'll get saved. He says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, who have all men to come to the knowledge, who to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's plan for you is that you would be saved that you would not go to the lake of fire, but know that you would be in heaven with him. Uh, Saved, saved from what? Saved from the power of sin. Saved from an eternity in a lake of fire. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering. To us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're all sinners. We all have sinned against God, and and there's a price for our sin, and that price is death. Jesus Christ paid that price upon the cross when he shed his blood for your sins and mine. And he died upon that cross. And uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of Saul. 
God took all of our sin upon himself. And then he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. But then he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he died and he was buried. And then he rose from the grave and conquered sin and conquered the grave. And in a few more weeks this month, we'll be celebrating the Resurrection Sunday. And really every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday is to once again celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all who call upon him will be saved. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth in the righteous, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. That's God's plan for your life, that you would be saved. Have you ever seen that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and that you called upon him and asked him to save you? Do you know if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? It's God's will that you would have uh, that knowledge. That knowledge, Titus 1, 2, and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's God's plan for your life. But many of us, we do know Jesus Christ is our Savior. But we, we, and we're not here to just live into ourselves. No, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. You see, you're not just here to just go through the motions. No, God has a purpose for you. Uh, we uh, are not our own. We belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Now, in one sense, all of us, every Christian is in full-time ministry. Every Christian ought to be serving God full-time. There ought not to be a time where we just, okay, well, I'm going to serve God for just this period of time in my life. No, it's all in. Uh, we all are, are full time in the ministry in one sense. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God wants to use you. God has a perfect will for your life. There's something that he has for you in the body of Christ. Uh, there's a ministry God has for you. There's somebody for you to reach. There's uh, somebody that's lost that, uh, that you can reach with the gospel of Christ. Uh, there's somebody that needs encouragement or needs to be strengthened that you can help do those things. There's a ministry God has for you. Uh, there was, uh, I was listening to one of my evangelist friends. He told about a time he was preaching. It was a Sunday night service. And there was a mother who had brought her uh, uh, two little toddlers to church. It was her first time coming to the church. And they uh, took him to the nursery. And, and uh, then uh, she came to the service. And, and God really worked in her heart in that service. And she had many questions afterwards and, and just wondering about salvation in Christ. And, and so the pastor and that evangelist uh, just kept you know, answering her questions and, and went through the whole plan of salvation. And two hours later, that lady came to a saving knowledge of Christ. She got saved. And, uh, and we, they, the pastor and the evangelist, they were rejoicing that this mother had come to know Christ her Savior. But while they're dealing with that mother, you know what the nursery worker is doing? Church has ended. People are gone. She's taking care of those two, uh, two uh, children. Uh, she's making sure that, uh, that they're being entertained. And, and, and she knows what's going on. She knows that this lady is, is being dealt with with salvation. And this woman went above and beyond the call of duty, but she realized this is my service. This is where I can help. And if it wasn't for this lady to be able to, to, to uh, entertain those two ch children, the pastor and the evangelist may not have had that opportunity to give her the gospel for her to get saved that night. 
And that evangelist, he went and told that lady, he says, thank you so much for serving God tonight. Uh, because of what you've done, this is, uh, this is fruit to your account. You know, he, she wasn't the one that, that physically led that lady to the Lord, but certainly God sees that and puts that fruit upon her account. God wants to do that in the same in your life as well. Oh, you know, you pray for Megan and I as we travel and, and we see God work in different places. You know, as you pray for us, God puts fruit on that account for you. Uh, you do the same with our missionaries. Uh, even though we're here in, in uh, North Highlands in Sacramento, yet our prayers reach all around the world. It can even reach to India, and Pastor Roger says hallelujah to that. Uh, you know, we can, uh, our, our prayers can go where, where we cannot go. We can be used in the matter of prayer. You can be used in all kinds of areas. Maybe you don't know which area that God would have for you to be in. Why don't you pray and ask him? Uh, you can talk to Pastor. Uh, when he comes back, there's a place for, God, for you to serve the Lord. And so uh, this is a, uh, a calling, though, that, that we could take lightly. I'm so thankful that that lady, that nursery worker, she didn't take that lightly. She didn't say, you know what? I'm only here for the service tonight. Someone else is going to have to watch these kids. No, she realized the importance, that this is a matter of eternity, that I need to watch these children in order for this lady to hear the gospel. Don't take the, the, the jobs, the, the roles that God has put in your life lightly. Uh, we can take it lightly because we forget the one who's called. He says here, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that God, that the God of Israel has separated you. It is God that is called. And that is, uh, that is huge. I'm reading a biography right now of John R. Rice. And John R. Rice's grandson graduated from Tennessee Temple University. And right after he graduated, John R. Rice was in his upper uh, 70s or lower 80s and and was slowing down, and his wife, uh, uh, Mrs. Rice, says to her grandson, I believe that, that God would have for you to travel with your grandfather for the next couple of years, uh, because he's getting slow and, and uh, you know, harder to drive and things like that. You know, you can drive him to different places, you can take care of the book table and that type of thing. And, but God had called him to Japan. John R. Rice said, uh, you know, why, do, why are you going to go to Japan? You can win more souls to Christ here in America than you can in Japan. They're more hardened in Japan than in America. He says, I believe you ought to stay here in America and win souls to Christ here than go to Japan. And he said, everything in me wanted to say, you know, to my godly grandfather, yeah, I want to go with you. I want to serve you. I mean, what an opportunity. What a, what a tremendous privilege it would be to go and, and, and be a John R. Rice's right-hand man. But he says, God had called me. And that was more important than anything else. It was more important than my grandfather, more important than my grandmother. God was the one who had called me. And he went off to Japan, and God used him to win others to Christ. And later on, they, uh, they uh, knew that that's what God wanted, them, God wanted their grandson to do. But God had taken uh, uh, here Korah and had put him in that position. And he is it as light thing to him that God was the one that had put him in that position. He's taking the call of God lightly because he's taking God lightly. And so this call is a call to value. But then, uh, well, uh, uh, Phyllis Brooks, he said, sad will be the day for every man when he becomes absolutely contented with the life that he is living, with the thoughts that he is thinking, with the deeds that he is doing, when there is not forever beating at the doors of his soul some great desire to do something larger, which he knows that he was meant and made to do because he is a child of God. What is it that God has put in your life? The responsibilities and roles that he has put in your life. Value what God has called you to do. But then notice number two, it's a call of separation. He says that the God of Israel hath separated you. From the congregation. 
Again, not everybody's going to get to do what Korah gets to do. This is something that's special. But it's also, uh, uh, as, a, as a De- Deuteronomy 8, 10 verse 8 says, And at that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Numbers 8, 14, That thou shalt separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. God has certainly called uh, some of us to preach, and we are separate. Uh, we have a, a higher responsibility. I uh, think of James chapter 3. It says, Be not many masters, uh, knowing they shall receive the greater condemnation. There's a greater responsibility that we have, I believe, in the judgment seat of Christ. And so uh, God has placed some, uh, the call of, to preach and, and to minister, to be an evangelist, to be a pastor, to be a missionary. And, and yet I wonder sometimes, uh, in my own life, what would have happened to my life? My mom asked me the other day, she says, what would you have done if God didn't call you? And I said, well, I wasn't very ambitious. I don't really have anything. I mean, I wasn't good enough to play baseball, so that was all that I ever thought about. And, uh, you know, I don't know what I would be doing. I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I don't know, what, I don't know if I'd still be serving God if God hadn't called me. I mean, really, I don't know. And yet, there are those in, uh, Christians that have never been called to preach like I have, and yet they serve God with all of their hearts. And uh, my, my uh, hat goes off to them. Uh, I think of uh, David Gibbs that said, rare is it that the best Christian is on the platform. Uh, rare is it that the best Christian is on the platform. Oh, there's some godly people out there that I meet throughout the country that, uh, that are serving God with their life, even though they haven't had the call. And this call, though, is a call to separation. And as a Christian, we have the same call. That we are to be holy, as 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all, manner, or in, all conver- in, in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. As Christians, we are to be set apart. We're not to be like the things of this world. I remember years ago, I got my hair cut at a place in North Carolina, and uh, uh, this guy who was cutting my hair also cut uh, Dr. Comfort's hair, the president of the college at the time. And, and, uh, and he uh, told uh, Dr. Comfort, he says, I can always tell when an Ambassador Baptist College student comes in than a, a, a Gardner-Webb student. Uh, and uh, he says, well, let me know when you can't tell. Let me know when there's not a difference. There ought to be a difference in our lives than, than the things of this world. We ought to be separate. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, but it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or agreement with Christ and Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. And I will walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Oh, separation is something that, that ought to be preached on more. I ought to be preaching on it more. Uh, we ought to have personal separation, ecclesiastical separation. That's a whole other message. But, but uh, you know, we, we have this matter of separation. It's, separation is a strength. Separation uh, uh, gives you that closest to the Lord. We lose the value of the call when we lose the value to be separate. You think of Samson. I just read that in my devotions today. You know, Samson, he was called of God, and uh, he had the power of God in his life, but he compromised, and he lost the power of God. And it strikes a fear in my heart 
that I will lose the power of God because of compromise, because of lack of separation. Paul was called to be an apostle, separate unto the gospel of God in Romans 1.1. Uh, this call is a call to be separate. As Christians, we're not to be like this world. We're, there ought to be a difference in our lives. But then it's a call, not only a, to value, a call to separation, but then it's a call to draw nearer to God. He says he has separated you from the congregation. Why? To bring you near to himself. I love that. I love that. To bring you near to himself. You see, this call that God places upon a preacher's life, but even just as a Christian, what's God doing? He wants to draw us nearer to himself. Uh, Phillips Brooks uh, was right when he said to young preachers, never allow yourself to feel equal to your work. If you ever find that spirit growing up inside you, be afraid. You see, the, the calling that God has placed on my life, the calling that God's placed in your life ought to draw you nearer to him. Say, God, I can't do this. I can't raise these children. I, I can't uh, you know, be successful in these different things. God, I have to have you do this through me. You've got to do this through me. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, God showed me that verse as a teenager. Oh, how it's helped me in my, my ministry. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. It's his ministry. And he will do it through us. He will do it through you. And so this call is a call to draw you nearer to him. And yet it's uh, uh, so neglected that, uh, that we would spend that time with him when it, this really is our strength. Uh, you know, that holiness, that separation. It's separation from sin, but it's separated unto God. That's holiness. Not just being separated from something, but being separated unto something. Separated from sin unto God. Uh, that's why we separate, so that we can get closer to God. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. If you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. Uh, this ought to draw us closer to God. It's almost like we forget that as John, John chapter 5, or John chapter 15, verse number 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. How am I going to get through this next month? This is a big month in my life. How am I going to get through it? Not my own strength. Not going to be able to do it my own strength. No, I've got to have the Lord. I am nothing without him. How are you going to get through your month? It's, it's not going to be in your own strength. It's going to be through the Lord. You've got to draw nearer to him. I love this quote I read this week. Alexander McLaren, who was a preacher back in the 1800s, I think he was in Britain. He said, there are none of us so close to Christ, but we can't come near. And the secret of our daily Christian life is all wrapped up in the one invitation from Jesus, which he invites us to come, to get closer to him. That nearness is what we are to make our daily efforts after. And that nearness is what is one cable of indefinite increase. We know not how close to his heart we can lay our aching heads. We know not how near to his fullness we can bring our emptiness. We have never yet reached the point beyond which no closer union is possible. You can still get closer. Oh, maybe you've had some times in your life where you've felt so near to him. You can not only get back to that, but God can bring you closer to him than you've ever been before. 
Oh, this call is a call to draw nearer to him. He says he separated you. Why? To bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord. So we see it's a call to not be taken lightly. It's a call uh, to separation. It's a call to draw near to God. But now lastly, number four, it's a call to serve others. He says that he's done this to draw him nearer to the Lord, but then to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. We all have someone that we need to reach. We all have somebody that we can minister to. Our ministries ought to be growing. That is, we ought to be reaching out to more people than we have before. We ought to, there ought to be somebody that, that uh, if I were to ask you, who do you know that's lost? There ought to be somebody right now that you think, oh, there's somebody I know right now that needs the gospel. There's somebody that, that you can reach with the gospel of Christ. Now, many of us uh, uh, have never led a soul to Christ. Some of us in this auditorium, we have. God's used us to lead a soul to Christ, but many of us, we've not, not, we haven't. How about this year, you pray and ask God, God, would you give me somebody that's longing to be saved, somebody that I could lead to Christ? I remember that day that, that uh, God used me to lead my first soul to Christ. Oh, how it lit a fire in my soul. I remember the day I got saved, and one of the other best days of my life was to lead that first soul to Christ. And I believe that God can use you to lead somebody else to Christ. God can uh, redeem a sinner. Uh, God can do that uh, uh, and, and use you in giving them the gospel of Christ. There's people that I can reach that you'll never be able to reach. There's people that you can reach that I'll never be able to reach. But God has put you in that place and, and that workplace or that family or, or that neighborhood. There's somebody that you can reach with the gospel of Christ. Oh, it's about others. It's serving others. It's that God would use us in that call. What's it for? It's to draw us nearer to him, but it's also to, to be able to serve others. There's someone that we, can, uh, that we can reach out to. And so he treated this calling uh, to, to stand before the congregation, to minister to them. He treated it so lightly. Now this word service uh, uh, has, uh, the, uh, it has the, it describes the action of one person doing the will of another. And certainly we're doing the will of another. Uh, we are serving these people, why? On God's behalf. Because we represent him. The other service uh, uh, where it says that the minister, the last uh, uh, stand, uh, uh, phrase there in, in verse number nine, uh, that is a position of serving. That is typically the result of having been considered or evaluated in some way which has made the individual worthy of being appointed and dedicated to a particular task or responsibility. Korah was given this responsibility. What a tremendous privilege, but he took it lightly. And it cost him his life. It cost him his ministry, but it cost him his life. This rebellion that he had against God and doing what God wanted him to do, uh, it cost him his life. I think of Saul. Uh, Saul, 1 Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken the fat of rams. For rebellion as is a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Saul lost his position and lost his life because of his rebellion against God and against his word. Oh, we ought, it ought to sober us up that we wouldn't rebel against what God's wanting to do in our lives. 
that we wouldn't rebel against his word and, and how he is instructing us. We have been given a tremendous honor, a tremendous privilege to be Christians, to be these Christians, to represent our God. Uh, we've been given a tremendous honor to serve the King of Kings. And it's not about us, it's about him. It's not about us and our message. It's about him and his message. Matthew 25, 42, for I was in hunger and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, ye visited me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in a hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, insomuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, ye did it not unto me. You see, God wants to use our hands. He wants to use our feet. He wants to use our mouth. He wants to use our ears and our eyes. He wants to use us uh, in His service. We have a tremendous privilege to serve the Lord with our lives, to represent Him. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ's stead, be reconciled unto God. Let's go 